0: Amos chapter 4, and we'll just read uh, through the chapter as we go, verse by verse through it. But let's go ahead and read just verse 1 to start out, and it says, Hear ye this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring, and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by His holiness that lo, the day shall come upon you that He will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. So I want you to, first off, I want you to notice what He calls them there in verse one. He refers to them as kind of Bashan, which uh, a kind is a cow. It's a cow, right? Now that's insulting, all right. When you get called a cow, that's not uh, that's not usually a good thing. Um, but w- when you call somebody a cow. Alright, if, if I was to call somebody a cow, why would you think I was calling them a cow? Fat and <laughs> and those, those are really the two things, fat and stupid, pretty much, you know, and really, I mean, what do cows do? What is the point to their life? They're, the point of a cow's life, they really, they live a life of ease, don't they? I mean, they've got it made. They live a life on a farm, they're fed, you know, they, they don't do any work, but the thing is, they're getting fattened up for the slaughter. Okay? That's their only purpose. But cows, you know, they're too dumb to realize, you know, what's coming for them. And you know, I grew up we we didn't farm the house, we rented a farmhouse that where they had cows and things and so I, I was around cows all my life growing up and I used to just, you know, was entertained at the stupidity of cows and just the dumb things that they would do and just, you know, and I, I got in trouble one time. I was messing with the cows and the landlord saw it. And so I usually behave myself around them. But cows, are, they're just stupid. They, they really are stupid. And their life is pointless. And you know what? He's, he's, I believe that's, this is why he's comparing Israel to kind of Bashan. Here they are. They've got it made. They've been blessed. God's been good to them. God's fattened them up. But you know what? They've been wicked. And they don't even realize what's coming. Like a cow that doesn't realize that he's going to just eventually get slaughtered. You know, these, that's how Israel was. They were about to get slaughtered. Judgment's about to come, but they just, they don't care. As long as there's stuff in their face, they're happy. And you know, I used to do that with a cow sometimes too. You know, I'd get some hay or something and I'd just kind of walk down the fence and just watch it follow me around and just, just see how long it would do it. And because they, they were, they were just, they were dumb. And, you know, and I'd laugh. You know, look at me leading this big dumb cow around. And, you know, they're, but they're like, they're, all they did, eat and sleep. Pretty much it. Just eating and sleeping. And Israel was very blessed, living in a very good and prosperous land. Now, uh, turn over to Ezekiel chapter 16. Now, just so you know, this passage that we're reading right here, this is specifically about Judah. But understand, the sins that Israel had done, Judah had done many of those things too, and many of the proph- uh, some of the prophecies that God pronounced during this time were on Israel and Judah. The ones on Israel were a little different because they had gotten to a point of no return, where Judah had not got to that point yet. They ended up having temporary revival that lasted for roughly a hundred years, but this passage here is specifically talking about Judah which is different than Israel that we're looking at um, in Amos. But I want to show you something here, uh, something that we need to see. It's very important to kind of help us understand God's problem that he had with Israel. So Ezekiel 16, verse 35 says, Wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Okay, that's not a compliment right there when he's calling him a harlot. He says, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thy filthiness was poured out, and thy nakedness discovered, "...through thy whoredom, with thy lovers, and with all thy idols, and thy abominations, and by the blood of thy children, which thou hast given unto them. Behold, therefore I will gather all thy lovers, with whom thou hast taken pleasure, and all them that thou hast loved, and all them that thou hast hated. I will even gather them round about against thee, and will discover thy nakedness unto them, that they may see all thy nakedness. And I will judge thee as a woman that break wedlock, and shed blood, or judge. And I will give thee blood... In fury and, and jealousy, and I will also give thee into their hand, and they shall throw down thine eminent place, and shall break down thine high place, and strip thee also of thy clothes, and shall take thy fair jewels, and leave thee naked and bare. Um, and and they, shall, they also shall bring up a company against thee, and shall stone thee with stones, and thrust thee through with their swords, and they shall burn thine houses with fire, and execute judgments upon thee in the sight of many women, and I will cause thee to cease from playing the harlot, and thou shalt give no hire any more. So notice here in that passage, one of the reasons God's coming down so hard on them during this time was because of the fact that they had participated in the sins of the nations around them. I've covered this before in the earlier chapters. The Assyrians that were coming through, this is judgment on Israel's enemies. But unfortunately, Israel had played the harlot with these wicked nations and the very people that God was going to use to destroy them or to to destroy their enemies, God is now going to allow them to destroy Israel too because of the fact that they had been wicked, because of the fact that they had participated in all these things. God had been very good to Israel. God had blessed them with a good land. God gave them His word. He gave them His law. And yet they still went and they fornicated Spiritually speaking and physically speaking with all these other nations. And look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10. And see what happened. Israel, the problem that Israel had was they, they were just too blessed. It's kind of the same thing in America. Americans are just so blessed today. We're reminded of this every time we go knock doors in a rich area. You know, these people, they're not interested in the gospel. They could care less about these things. And the people forget. That the reason we have all the things we do is because of God's blessing. And they end up forgetting the Lord. But look what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. It says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, nor vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Reminds me of that cow. It's always interesting. He gets full, then he goes to sleep. But he says, then beware, lest thou forget. And that's what they did spiritually. They got filled up physically, and they went to sleep spiritually. They forgot the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And so right there we see God warned them, hey, this is, if you're not careful, this is going to happen. You need to make sure you're constantly talking to your family, to your children, about the things of God. You put reminders around your house about the things of God and about the Word of God because if you don't, what's going to end up happening, I'm going to bless you in a great way. Because when Israel would do right, God did bless them in a great way, but then they would get full and like a cow, they would go to sleep. And they would forget about the commands that God gave. They would forget that God didn't want them intermingling with these other nations. God didn't want them giving their daughters to their, their men or taking their daughters themselves. God warned them that if they do that, they're going to turn their hearts away. God told Solomon, or you know, that, was, that was one of the things that got Solomon in trouble. Solomon loved many strange women. And what did those women do? They turned his heart after other gods. Here he is, a saved man, who's committing spiritual adultery With other gods, and as a result of this, you know, Solomon wasn't the only one doing it. The whole nation's doing it. God's like, you know what? I'm gonna let everyone see your nakedness, figuratively speaking, and you're gonna end up being judged. You're gonna be punished in a great way. And the problem they had was they were just, they were too blessed. Remember what it says too, I believe it's also in Ezekiel, and this is about Judah also, but where it talks about the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. It refers to Sodom as their sister. Pride. Fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Okay? Like a cow. Okay? They're just full all the time. As soon as their belly's full, they go back to sleep, only to wake up to go eat some more. And you know what's interesting, too, about cows, and it's interesting about, you know, Israel, too, and just blessed people? It's like, you know, we're always desperate to have what we are not supposed to have. You know? I used to watch it, too, where our cows. You know, they had this massive pasture out there where they could eat grass, but they were always trying to stick their head through the fence to eat the grass. And it would just, you'd watch them do that. And it's like, you know, how stupid can you all be, you know? And, and I had some great times. There was one day when I remember all the cows got out. I remember a farmer came to the house. He was like, have you seen the cows? They're all gone. And they had busted down the fence real far away. It was, it was early in the morning. And we were getting ready to go to school. I was late for school that day because we went out looking for the cows. And we could find evidence that they had gone. Our house was on the edge of town. They had gone into the town in the residential area, stomped up this one guy's garden. And they had crossed the highway. Like 30 cows crossed the highway. I actually found them out in a cornfield, you know, eating the grass along the edge of the cornfield. And I remember I went and I told the farmer and they, they drove them across the highway They ran through another guy's yard that was super picky about his grass and just stomped it all up. It was a great show. I I was never so entertained in all my life. Uh, They kept running back and forth. They had this opening in the fence, but they were too dumb to see it. They just kept running past it. it. And then finally, the farmer didn't want to cut the fence, so he finally talked to me. So he cut this opening where they kept running to. So he made a new opening, you know, ruined part of the fence to make a new opening. And then when they went to chase the cows over there again, they got scared and they busted through another part of the fence. It was, it was so hilarious. I mean, and they didn't have any fun at all, but I had a great time that day just watching the stupidity of cows. And it's like, you know, why would they leave their pasture? Okay, why, why would they leave that, that pasture? There's cars out there. There's dangers out there. Because they're stupid. You know, And why would Israel leave the land that God gave them? God gave them a good land. Why would they go after the daughters of the other land? They had, they had women there that they could marry. You know, they're just, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And unfortunately, for them, it's ended up being their downfall. It ended up being their destruction. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 22. This is just another reminder of why he's referring to them as kine or as cows. In the story of Solomon, when he's looking out his window, And a young man, void of understanding, walking in the way where the strange woman lives. And and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but she goes to try to entice him. She flatters him to bring him into her house. And look what it says. It says, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasted to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Notice how he said, he goes into her like an ox goes to the slaughter. How does an ox go to the slaughter? Well, I've seen how an ox go to the slaughter. They go with great joy as long as you stick a little bit of food in front of their face. I actually went to a butcher one time. I killed a deer and I took it to a butcher so he could butcher it for me. And when I went there, hanging outside the butcher shop is a dead cow that they were getting ready to butcher. And right behind where that cow was, was a little room with a fence there with a living cow who was going to be next. He can see that cow. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why isn't that cow freaking out? Does he not realize he's next? And the truth is, no. You know what he was doing? He was stuffing his face. He was eating. Not realizing that that day he was going to be hanging there. They were going to be slitting his throat and killing him. You say, that's terrible. We shouldn't eat meat. I know it's terrible. I feel sorry for those cows, but I'm sorry. They taste so good, I'm going to eat them anyway. I I, I really don't... I've gotten over it. But that is... But you know what? That's how a lot of people are when it comes to sin. You know, they're as dumb as cows. You know, anybody who's a drunkard, anybody who drinks, okay, you're as dumb as a cow. You see what that does to people. You see how that destroys lives. You see the results of alcohol. Anybody who does drugs, you know, you see these meth heads and things out there. It's like how... We've all seen what a meth head looks like, okay? We all know what meth mouth is. Anybody who's ever seen those things, why would they do meth? I don't get it. I don't understand it. When you see some of the bums that these girls will get with. It's like, you know, have have you never seen what happens when girls like you end up with guys like him? But what do they do? They go like an ox to the slaughter. And until the dart strikes through their liver, they don't know there's a problem. But here's the thing. When the dart strikes through the liver, it's too late. Okay, When the, when the cow realizes it's in trouble, it's when it's too late. There's nothing they can do. There's no turning back. And this was Israel's problem. And, and we are like this in America today. We're so blessed in this country, we don't realize what's coming. You know, If we think that God is going to turn a blind eye to the millions of babies that we've butchered in this country. We're crazy. If we think that God's going to turn a blind eye to all the homosexuality and all the perversion that is accepted in this country, we are crazy. But yet, we're not we're not we're not cr- just crazy, we're stupid. Like a cow. But the truth is, you know, most people as long as my face is, you know, getting stuff, as long as I've got food in my belly, I'm happy, I don't care. And you know what? We see what goes, what's going on in politics. You would think people would have freaked out when the choices for president this last election was Trump and Hillary. You think people would have, you know, that would have been a wake up call. But no. You know when people will finally get woke up? When it's too late. That's when they will finally get woke up because that's just how people are and that's how Israel was. And so let's keep reading. Uh, so, uh, verse two of Amos chapter four. So the Lord has sworn by his holiness that lo, the days shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish fish hooks and ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at the which is before her and ye shall cast them into the palaces of the palace, saith the Lord come to Bethel and transgress at Gilgal multiply transgression and bring your sacrifice every morning and your tithes after three years so notice here He basically warns them they're gonna be taken from their life of comfort and ease. I'm gonna take you out with fish hooks, just like you take a fish out of the water. Okay? That fish, it's happy in the water, but once you get that thing hooked and you pull it out of the water, you know, no contest anymore. You know, they can't function outside of that water. And Israel, they were all happy and comfortable where they were at right then, but God said, I'm taking you, I'm gonna take you out of your land. I'm gonna take you out of that comfort. And so, um, you know, the, the judgment that he pronounces on him right here, notice this is a judgment that they're not getting out of. You notice how he mentions, I have sworn by my holiness, okay? you know, And if God swears something, it's going to happen anyway. But, you know, he invokes his holiness in here too, just letting them know, hey, I'm not changing my mind on this. This is something that's that's to come, and there is no turning back from it at this point. And we see, uh, turn over to Ezra chapter 9. Ezra chapter 9. Now this is uh, what we're reading about here in Ezra. This is after everything we've read about in Amos. Um, this is after uh, Israel has been uh, brought back in the land. This is after their 70 years of captivity. So this is, all this judgment that's being pronounced in the book of Amos, it has all happened, and Israel has, you know, they've, Paid their consequences, but God now is bringing that remnant back. He's God's restoring them to their land. But Israel still had some problems. Okay, when Israel came back, they clearly uh, they're, they clearly still had a lot of issues. If you read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, but look at what is said here in Ezra chapter nine, verse seven. It says, "Since the days of our fathers." Have we been in a great trespass unto this day? Hey, hey, we paid for you know these a lot of these sins, a lot of the judgments that were pronounced came on us, but you know what? We're still in sin even to this day. Okay, and so and for our iniquities, have we our kings and our priests been delivered into the land of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil and to confusion of face as it is this day. Uh, and now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. So notice what he mentions right there. So he's bringing up the fact that, hey, you know, we've, we've gotten in a lot of trouble. We deserve it. Hey, we're still in trespass unto this day. We still haven't gotten right with God. But, we are in a place right now where God has given us a, a little space of where we can have some grace, where we can actually get right. And really, that's the life that the lost are living right now. There's been the, the lost people of this world, right now, they are, the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. But they are in a time right now, they have a space where grace has been given, where they have an opportunity to to get saved. They have an opportunity to repent of their unbelief and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, but, uh, and that's, the, that, that's the judgment that we see here that was being pronounced in Ezra chapter 9 whenever he's warning the people that, hey, judgment's coming if we don't get right. We are in a time right now where grace has been given, a remnant can be saved, and there are many prophecies that we see like that in the Old Testament where God would prophesy all kinds of doom and gloom on them, but He would give them a space to repent. He would give them an opportunity to get right. But sometimes, there are some prophecies that we see in the Old Testament where God would give the prophecy, but there was no space of grace. There was no place to repent. You all have crossed the line. You have go- you've gone past the point of no return. I'm just letting you know, what is to come? So when it comes, you will know why you're being punished. And you know what? A good parent, when they punish their children, they let them know why they're being punished. Okay? You don't just go get your kid one day and then just start spanking them and not tell them why they're getting spanked. Okay? You you need to let them know what they did. And so it's like, why is God even giving them this prophecy here if there's no place for them to repent? Because God wasn't just going to punish his children without letting them know what they're getting in trouble for. So God's just letting them, he's, he's making it clear that, hey, you know, this is my doing. This is my will. You all, have, you, you all have asked for this. And so when God gives repentance, it means he's given an opportunity for repentance. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. This passage here, uh, or the way these things are turned, it often gets people mixed up, especially people who are wrong on the subject of repentance or on how they define repentance. But look at Acts chapter five and verse thirty. It says the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, what Calvinists teach? is that repentance is is a gift that God gives you, okay? That, you know, they teach that repentance is a turning from sin because they teach that, you know, God chooses who gets saved. Well, we're like, but it's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But yeah, but if you believe, it's because God gave you repentance. God gifted you that repentance. And they will use verses like Acts 5, verse 31, or they will also do um, look at Hebrews or Second um, Timothy, Second Timothy chapter two. I didn't put that on my notes. Look at Second Timothy. I need to show you this chapter two in verse twenty-five. It says, "In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth." See that proves that repentance. Is something that God gives somebody. So in other words, we're walking along one day and we don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on our way to hell, and then all of a sudden God comes along and he just magically gives us repentance. And oh man, all of a sudden I believe. You know? And I'm now I'm now saved because God gave me repentance. And that's what they teach. Okay? That's that's basically what they teach when it comes to repentance, and they'll use those verses. Look at Hebrews chapter twelve and verse fifteen says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You know, poor Esau, who God hated, you know, he God didn't give him repentance. God didn't grant it to him. But here's the thing. Esau, in his heart, he did repent. You know He was sorry for what he had done. He was upset about what he'd done. But when it says he found no place of repentance, what it's talking about when God gives repentance is talking about giving the opportunity of repentance. Giving a space to repent. That's what, it, that's what he's talking about right there. And Esau, after he sold his birthright, he had crossed the line when it came to that area, and there was no undoing what he, do, what he had done. There are some things that we just can't undo. There are, some, there are some things there is no place of repentance for. If I go and I murder somebody, okay, there is no place of repentance for me. I can't undo that, can I? Now, I can repent... Of the, in my heart, I can be sorry that I did it, but I can't repent to the point that I can undo what I did. And I've now got, got to pay the consequences for it. There is no place of repentance for me there. And it, many times in the Bible, when it talks about God giving repentance, it's meaning God's given them an opportunity to get right. And that's what God does for everyone in the world today that's out there, who is already condemned because they've not believed the gospel, they right now have a space, uh, they have a place where God has given them an opportunity of repentance. Where they have not crossed the line. Not like the reprobate. okay? Not like those who were re- rejected. Like I mentioned about Esau, who was rejected. The reprobate, they have been rejected. They have come to a place where God will not give them. Repentance. They do not have an opportunity to come back from that. And we see here in Amos that Israel had gotten to the point where there's no turning back from this. This prophecy that's coming, while we, i you know, God's, you know, in a sense, could be saying, I've got a long history of prophesying some pretty terrible things on you, but I've, but God often would give them that space of repentance, and often they would repent and God would not bring the judgment that He had pronounced on them. But at this point, too late. There is, there is a. They had crossed that point. There's no return. And so notice what He says here too in verse 4. He says, Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, and proclaim and publish free offerings. For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. What I personally think he's saying right here is he's like, you know what? Go ahead, multiply your transgressions. Go ahead and keep doing whatever you're doing. You know, it's like God's given this generation here over to the reprobate mind. Like God does with reprobates. Where they, because they didn't like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind. You know what? Go ahead and do that uncleanness. You know, God put something in us where there are some things that we are repulsed by, like homosexuality. But those people that keep saying no to God, and they keep saying rejecting and rejecting and rejecting, finally God says, you know what, fine, I'll reject you. You know what, go ahead, multiply transgression. Go ahead, go after those things, go after those wickedness, multiply your transgression. I'm done with you. There is no coming back. Go ahead, bring your, you know, go ahead and do your sacrifice you do at Bethel, which was was not where they were supposed to worship. Go ahead, offer your sacrifices with leaven. You offer your cheap substitutes. Go ahead and, you know, use your messed up means of sacrifices and things. Do all that stuff you want. But you know what? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not changing my mind on this. And that is where they were at this point. And you know what? Individuals can be at that same place today and that's uh and we see examples of that in places like Romans 1 where people have just gone too far. And so that's wh- that's where they were. At this point with Israel instead of God telling them what they could do to avoid judgment, I believe what the prophets basically saying right here is just you know what go ahead and keep on sinning there's no turn back. Y'all y'all are done for. I'm just the messenger. I'm just telling you what's to come. But don't bother trying to fix this. Don't bother trying to bring your offerings. Uh, God's done, and he's just letting you know what you all have to look forward to. So look at verse 6. It says, And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and one of bread in all your places. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord, that cleanness of teeth. All right. Why do they have cleanness of teeth? Because I haven't been eating anything. They're hungry. Okay. Last night, my wife informed me that I had, I did not have cleanness of teeth. I had, I had food in my teeth. And, uh, but you know, it's a good sign. It means I've been eating. You know, and it was meat. I've been eating meat. That's a blessing, right? We don't appreciate those things today because we're so blessed in this country. But you know what? God would often allow these famines and things to come to try to get the people calling on the Lord. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy? God's like, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to forget me. So what God would often do, God would often take away the blessings, so the people would start calling on the Lord again, because they needed the Lord more than they needed food. You know, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. They needed God. They needed the Word of God. They needed to be obeying His commandments, but that's not what they were doing, so God would bring these things. God didn't want them to suffer. God wanted to bless them. But they needed God more than they needed prosperity. He said, and also, I have withholden the rain from you. When, uh, there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One, uh, one piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. Notice what he, notice what he mentions there about how he'd make it rain on one place, but not another place. Keep that in mind. We'll go back to that in a minute. So, so two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword, and have taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up under your nostrils, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord? I have overthrown some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you're as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord? It's very clear here, well after God basically tells them you're rejected, you're done for, He's telling them, hey, this isn't like this is your first warning. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did all these things, and you wouldn't return. You wouldn't listen. So you shouldn't be surprised. Don't go. You know, you didn't want them thinking that God was unjust for what He was doing. They had chance after chance after chance, and they just they just kept ignoring the warnings. And you know, the Bible teaches he that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Once again, you can just go too far. And so, no, but he mentions in there too. You know, he mentions how he uh, overthrew some of them. Like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe this is, um, you know, I believe this is one of the main reasons, too, we see passages where God refers to them as being worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Why were they worse than Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, I personally believe because Sodom and Gomorrah never got any warning, did they? We don't see anywhere in the Bible where God warned Sodom and Gomorrah. I think the one thing that God did do Sodom and Gomorrah. He did have a righteous man dwelling among them. But you know what? Lot didn't do his job. Lot couldn't even get his whole family saved. And remember, God would have spared the city if there had just been ten righteous people. But unfortunately, we have Solomon just a lame Baptist, or not Solomon, uh, Lot, a lame Baptist in Sodom and Gomorrah who never went soul winning. You know, just none at all. And that's the New Testament things. Hey, he that went of souls is wise is in the Old Testament. Alright, so just keep that in mind, you dispensationalists. But anyway, it was it was God, but they didn't get any big warning. And of some of the things we know about Sodom, too? Sodom was a very it was a very good land. It was well watered. That's why Lot wanted to go to Sodom. He looked at that, he looked at that city and he saw their prosperity, and he's like, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to go. He didn't care about the fact. That they were wicked. But here we see God never warning Sodom about what was to come. But when it came to Israel, they had warning after warning after warning after warning. And they still rejected. Sodom was never given the law of God. Sodom was not delivered, you know, out of Egypt. Sodom did not see the miracles. And remember what Jesus said? You know, if Sodom would have seen the mighty works that you've seen. They would have repented. So do you see why Jesus made, or why God was so upset with them? Because they, they were more wicked. Because of the fact that they knew better, because of the fact that God had given them sign after sign, warning after warning, and they kept rejecting, and therefore, it is very clear that Israel was far worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what? And, And they still are today. I mean, their Messiah came. The Messiah came to earth. And he fulfilled the law that God had given. Yet, what did the Jews do? They crucified him. And then even after they crucified him, and after he rose from the dead, after he sent his apostles to preach them, after he filled them with the Holy Ghost, what did they do as a whole? And for the most part, they rejected it. I mean, after that, I mean, if the warnings... Of the Old Testament enough, God Himself comes down to earth and tries to get them to trust Him and to believe Him, and they still wouldn't do it. And that's why Israel, even Israel today, okay. And I am going to show you something here in Amos that that will help you understand this. I believe that Israel today, as a whole, is reprobate in the sense that that nation will, as a physical people, they will never make a comeback. Okay? I'm sorry. I just watched a preview today of this Hope of Israel conference with a bunch of clowns. They're going to be having this big conference on the 70th anniversary of Israel. And it was like previews from last year. When they, And the junk that they were preaching was some of the most ridiculous junk I've ever heard in my life. And they're having a 70th anniversary. It's all the way in Georgia. I wish I could go to it because I would get some great material there. But, I mean, clowns. All right? You morons. They've got, all the, they've got this big banner of modern-day Jerusalem in the background. They've got Israeli flags all over the place. I mean, just praising Israel like crazy. It is a joke. And I'm telling you, as a whole, that nation is reprobate and they're never going to make a comeback. Okay? But at the same time, I say that, just because somebody is Jewish does not mean they are reprobate as an individual. Jews can still be saved. Alright? And so let's look at... Uh, let's look at a, a couple more verses here. And I'll show you where I'm going with that. Um, I skipped one of the points I wanted. Let me, let me get this while I'm on it. Look at what it says in verse 12. It says, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto men... What is his thought that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth? The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. So right here at the end of Amos chapter four, we don't really see any ray of sunshine anywhere, do we? It's pretty much all doom and gloom, and we're not going to we're not going to go um, we're not going to go into the whole chapter. But look at chapter five, because chapter five you're going to see something if you read ahead you're going to see something that might look like it's contradicting what I've been saying about Israel here. That they had crossed the line, there was no coming back from it. But look what it says. Uh, let's start reading in verse 3. Thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred, and that which went forth by a hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Okay. So wait a minute, it looks like he's given an opportunity right here. What we're going to see here next week in chapter 5 is even though as a whole judgment has been pronounced on them, there, God did give opportunities for individuals to repent. And so while there was going to be a hundred that were going to go out, there would still be ten. And even in this present day, Paul talked about it when he says, God hath not cast away his people. He said, you know, even today, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, this is exciting because of the fact that I'm telling you, I think America, there is no doubt we have crossed the line that there is no coming back from. There is no way that we are not going to answer for the millions of babies we've killed. There's no way we're not going to answer for the perversion. There's no way we're, going to, you know, we're not going to answer for just how much we've interfered in other countries and the innocent lives that have been lost at the hands of our nations. There is no coming back from that. But at the same time, you know what? There can be a remnant of people that love the Lord. There can be a remnant of people that get right, that can be protected, that God can spare and and either either way even if our country gets nuked and we deserve it and we get nuked with it we're going straight to heaven aren't we and so we don't even as americans we don't have to have this attitude of well i guess we can go along and just you know keep on committing transgressions no you know what we can still have individual revival there can still be a remnant of america that is righteous, just like there was in Israel. And as wicked as Israel would get as a whole, there were always godly people in Israel. Okay, There was Amos in Israel during this time. He was from there. But do you think God's talking about him in these things? No, God's talking to the nation as a whole. But I believe when we get to chapter 5, we see for that remnant that would be here in these things, that remnant who did love the Lord, that remnant that did have a problem with what was going on you know what you can seek the lord and i believe that god would help those people god would god would preserve them because even though israel was completely defeated they weren't utterly destroyed were they why weren't they utterly destroyed because there was a remnant there were some individuals that believed god that trusted the lord and they went into captivity, they were able to survive those things. We have the Daniels, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednegoes, people like that. And Israel, they never complete, you know, they, as, as much as it seems like the devil tried to eliminate them as a people, it never happened because God would spare those righteous ones, even though for the most part they were bad. And it's the same thing today. There are still Jewish people around today, they have been preserved as a people, but at the same time, as a whole, they're never going to make a comeback. But you know what? I believe if there are Jews out there that will be willing to see what the Bible says and see that clear message and realize that Jesus is the Messiah, they can still be saved. They don't have to face the judgment that is is coming on that nation. and, And thank God... There are some of those out there today, but you know what? As long as we have these, you know, hope of Israel goofballs out there, I mean, just praising them like crazy, like they're just so wonderful, calling them the people of God. They don't even believe in God. <clears throat> they they reject the Messiah. They blaspheme God. The Bible says they're the synagogue of Satan, and they they are. I mean, just you need to go watch that video, uh, that for the preview for that. I'm telling you, it was the most ridiculous thing. I ever saw it. it looked like a parody, and this is what's funny about this too. Usually these you know pro Israel people they're usually like the try to be the intellectual types that act all smarter than everybody, but these were like camp meeting style preachers preaching this junk too, which was it makes it even funnier. And you know you say you shouldn't laugh at that. I know I shouldn't laugh at it, but if I'm not laughing at that stuff, I'm going to be hurting somebody because it make you know it's that stupid and it makes me so mad. But and I, I'm just I'm just going to try laughing at that stuff. And so, uh, you know, we've got, we've got to tell these people the truth. We've got to, we've got to let them know that, hey, like Amos, judgment's coming. They are done for as a people. I refuse to praise Jews just because of where they descend from. I especially refuse to praise them because of their religion. It is a false religion. But what I will do, I'll do like Amos, And you know what? I will let them know about the judgment that's coming for them. I will let them know that they are going to be destroyed. I will let them know that they are the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. But if there is one amongst there that is willing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they can at least be saved. And there always will be a remnant. I'm going for that remnant. Forget about them as a whole. They're done for. And there is no there is no place for them to repent as a physical nation. They can only be born again through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And if they be, if they are born again and have faith in Jesus Christ, they will become a part of the spiritual nation of Israel, and they will become a actual. They, they will really become the people of God, and then. They will actually be able to receive the inheritance that God promised to Abraham and his seed. He saith, Not into seeds as of many. Talking about one, Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to do. And we've got to stop acting like a bunch of clowns out there, a bunch of, you know, and you know why I think a lot of these people are too? It's a lot of these people down south. And the South has a history of racism. And so it's like their way of covering for it is let's you know, let's be all pro Jew. Let's lift the Jews up above ourselves. But you know what? It's not convincing when a bunch of racist white people want to lift up people that are even whiter than they are. That's that's not impressive one bit. You're not fooling me with that stuff. You all, they are the racists. They are the racists for thinking that there is a difference when God said He's made us all of one blood. When God broke down the middle wall partition, and they want to build it back up. They're the one that want to separate the races. They're the one that preach against interracial marriages, like there's something physically wrong in, in that area. I, I'm th- they are, the, and I, I'm not quick to call people racist. But you know what? When you're lifting up one race, for lack of a better term, over another, you've got problems. You're the racist, not me. You know they want to say I'm anti-Semitic. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm not anti-Semitic. I see them. As equal. But you know what? They're anti-everything that's not Semitic. Because of the fact that they lift them above everybody else, it, it is a joke. And it, it's sad. And you know what? It makes me sick. It, it really does. And so Amos 4, it's a reminder that we can push God too far. And we need to try to take advantage of God's grace and mercy. Notice, turn over to Matthew 5, verse 43. I'll close with this. This is something I skipped over. Notice how it mentioned too how God would make it rain on one city and not make it rain on another city. Well, what are these clowns? And I'm sorry for calling them clowns, but I don't know what else to call them. Right? These people act like a bunch of moronic maniacs whenever they start talking about Israel. I can't think of anything nicer than clowns to call them. They all like to bring up signs. You know, Israel wins a battle somewhere, and it's always this you know Old Testament style miracle that happened. And it's just these are just Jewish fables. This is something they heard from some rabbi somewhere. I'm getting sick of these guys too, always quoting rabbis. I listened to Mickey Carter preach a message at the Revival Fires Conference, and he preached a whole message basically based on an interpretation of the Scripture. He, he talked about when God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathing his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living soul. He learned from a Jewish rabbi that when God did that, he spit in the dust. Now, you don't find that in the Bible, but a Jewish rabbi told him, So that's credible, right? The people who can't figure out from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Messiah, he figured out that God actually spit in the dust and formed man and made man in the image of God. That's where spitting image comes from. And that was pretty much his whole message. And what was sad is everybody was excited about it after it was done. It's like, really, you just preached a message based off a Jewish fable. And everybody's okay with that. They're going to get up, preachers are going to get up and praise you for that after the service. I am so sick of these clowns teaching false doctrine, not even just from twisting scriptures in the Bible, but from Jewish fables. But these same, these same people, they're always bringing up all these signs and things that are happening over there. But you know what, look what it says. So, and, and they'll, they'll look at something like that in Amos, where God would make it rain on one city, not make it rain in another city. I listened to one preacher one time, one of the big Zionist preachers, talking about and he's in Israel, and I, I'm not going to get these, I, I, don't, I, I won't get these facts exactly right, but I, I mean, like three or four times, whenever they would get to these different locations, you know, it would be raining, and he would pray for it to stop, and it would stop. And then, you know, they would get back in the bus, go, the next week to start raining again. They'd get to the next place. He'd pray for stop raining. Would stop, you know. And then like all the Jews were like, "You're like Elijah," you know. And I'm like, "That didn't happen, (laughs) all right. That didn't happen." But these people are just bonkers. They've lost their mind. That's all there is to it. And the truth is, one thing that is different, God doesn't do the signs that way anymore. Okay, look what it says in Matthew chapter five. In verse 43, so we read in Amos how we make it rain in one place, not rain in another place. God was doing that to try to get them to listen, to try to get them to uh, repent. He says in Matthew 5.43, I've heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father in heaven. He's saying here, so people will know whose children you are, you need to start acting In a different way. You need to start acting like me. Okay? And he's specifically targeting their actions because he said, he said, this is how people will know you're my children. Because he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what that means? We're not supposed to be looking at signs. We're not supposed to be looking at who's blessed and who's not blessed and where it's raining and where it's not raining. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be looking at the Word of God. You know how we're supposed to be pointing people to Jesus Christ? By living like Him. By proclaiming the Word of God. By our actions. Not by who's blessed and who's not blessed. God makes it rain on the just and on the unjust. We have the completed Word of God. We don't need those signs anymore. The last sign that was given... You know, and you got all these, these same clowns, too. When they bring up all these things, the Jews require a sign. The Jews require a sign. Even though Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And no sign is going to be given except the sign of the prophet Jonas. As Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus Christ rising from the dead, that was the sign for the Jews. And they rejected it. Again. And they're not getting any more signs. I don't care how many of these clowns get together. I don't care how many conferences they have. I don't care how many Jewish fables that they tell of these miraculous stories that happen. None of these things are signs of anything. But the only sign that God gave is the sign of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And the next sign that's going to come is Jesus Christ coming in the clouds. And you know what? Every eye is going to see him. And they also which pierced him. And they are going to mourn. How, how does that sound like that, you know, Jesus come back in the cloud, then Israel's just all of a sudden going to get saved? No, it says that they're going to mourn. Why? Because they missed it. That's the guy we pierced. He's the one we rejected. Jesus was our Messiah. And we are now in trouble. And God is going to begin, after He raptures us out, He's going to begin to pour His wrath out on this world and there's no turning back for them no turning back and we see in amos chapter 4 there is a place where you can go too far and there is no return in this case here israel was not the northern kingdom was going to be judged there was no changing that god did give an opportunity for individuals for there to be a remnant that would be spared that would not die because God was going to preserve that seed because of His promises to uh, to Abraham. But you know, just like to, and just the same thing today, there are some things there's just no coming back from as a whole as a nation. But you know what? That should never stop us as individuals from getting right with God and uh, making peace with God. We don't have to participate. We don't have to be like these. Dispensationalists living in the Laodicean church age. We don't have to do that. Okay? I'm sorry, you know, their bad doctrines got them, you know, feeling fine being lukewarm. But you know, we don't have, we don't have to be like that. Yeah, this generation of Baptists stink. But you know what? We don't have to be like them. We can do right. We can be obedient to God. Even though, you know, I don't have a whole lot of hope. For this generation of Baptists. I I really don't. But you know what? Thank God we don't have to go down with them. Thank God that while everybody else is falling into heresy and getting caught up in garbage and just going the way of Balaam, we don't have to. And I don't plan on it. And so while there is a lot of doom and gloom, we do see a ray of hope in the next chapter as individuals. And that, that comforts me greatly. Because I do fear what's going to happen to this country. I, I think it's, it, it deserves a lot. I'm hoping God's saving everything that America's supposed to get for the wrath of God period after we get raptured. That's what I'm hoping for. But there's no reason why God shouldn't destroy us before that. I mean, uh, he would definitely still be just and holy if he did. So anyway, I hope that was a help to you. So let's go ahead and I'll be dismissed a word of prayer. Dear Lord... We thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, while the rest of the world might be going bad, while our country might be going bad, Lord, we can still do the right thing. We can still, uh, you know, we can, we can still get right with you. And I, we thank you for that, dear God. And I pray you'll help us to set an example. I pray you'll help us to make a difference and uh, go out and find that, that righteous friend out there and spread the gospel to as many people as we can. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and let's sing page number three hundred and fifty-six. I hit the Calvinists tonight, so let's sing their favorite song, whosoever will.